I don't know about you, but I feel comfortable in this place tonight because of the presence of the Lord. God has brought us here for a very special reason. It's good to feel comfortable. I have gone through several periods in my life when I have tried to lose weight. Back a number of years ago, I went on a real program and I lost about 30 pounds. Felt good. My clothes felt good. But across the years, eating by eating by eating, fork load by fork load, all that weight and a little interest returned until all my clothes just were miserable. And about two weeks ago, I found a solution to my problem. I found a store in Nashville that caters to tall and fat men <laughs> called Men of Stature. And I went broke buying a new wardrobe but, oh, it feels good to have loose clothes. Now, the goodness of the feeling is the joy that we have together in the Lord. Already how God has blessed us, even this beginning service, as the Holy Spirit communicates to us through the beauty and the wonder of music. And I look forward to every service and to every conference and to every opportunity. And you and I have the privilege to be in the presence of God's people. And because of that, this week is going to make a significant difference in every one of our lives. If you leave this place Friday, the same person you are tonight, shame on you. And if you leave this holy place Friday without finding some new handles, some new ways to tell the old story that never changes, without discovering some new methods and some new techniques, then it'll only be because you're deaf and you're blind and you will not let God speak, but you will do so. For God is here, and God has brought us here. God has arranged this particular time in each one of our lives to be a time of destiny for each of us. And I do not know at this juncture exactly what God is going to do for me or for you, but I am confident of this, that the God who has brought us safely to these grounds will give to us that which will help us be more like Jesus and serve him better. John recorded in the sixth chapter of his gospel, 
marvelous words, an account about Jesus. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. Now, right at the conclusion of that second verse, these words again. Because they saw the miraculous signs he performed on the sick. The focus for tonight is the little word, because they followed Jesus because they saw something wonderful happen. Because great multitudes followed Jesus during his brief ministry on this earth. What a magnificent person Jesus was. It must have been wonderful to be able to be in some village going about your daily routine, and down the street comes Jesus. And because Jesus comes, and because Jesus talks, and because Jesus heals, nothing is ever the same again. Has anything been exactly the same in your life since that wonderful, wonderful day when Jesus came down your street? When Jesus touched your life? It is in the realm of reality in the world in which we live that there are a great number of people, maybe even in this room, God has brought you to this place, but in the reality of your life, you're unhappy with your life. Things are not quite what you want them to be. You're not where you want to be spiritually. Some of you may be uncertain as to your very destiny, both in time and eternity. And you live day by day with a question mark hanging over your head. There may be any number of you who in the deep of your heart know, though you may not have confessed it to another soul, 
that you're utterly miserable where you are. I know some preachers like that. I know some folks on church staffs like that. I know some Christians like that who because of one circumstance or another are utterly miserable. Things just not gelling somehow in your work. Is that where you are tonight? Maybe things are, are out of joint as far as home life is concerned. Maybe things are not just the way they ought to be between husband and wife, between parent and child. The things are just somehow, well, you're like walking on eggshells all the time. And the burdens of life and the pressures of life that bear upon us bring us to this important thing, that it is so vital that regardless of the reason that draws us into the very presence of Jesus, we must, for our own personal reasons, have fellowship with him. This week, we will have opportunity to listen as God speaks to us out of his word. This week we will have opportunity to hear a divine message from conference leaders, from those who share in the disciplines and the beauty of music. This week, early in the morning and late at night and in the midst of our conferences, God is going to say something to you that you've never heard him say before, and he will use some human instrument if you will somehow be tuned in to the reality of the presence of God. This week, you'll have more opportunities to talk to God than you've had in a long time. Oh, the schedule is a busy one, but it's not so busy that we cannot spend time with him. John said, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Because, that little word, because, it opens up a thousand doors and a thousand reasons as to why people would follow after the Lord Jesus. You see, everybody that is a Christian follows Jesus for some reason. Everybody that is a Christian has walked through some because door. I had the joy and the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. 
My earliest memories are crawling around on a nursery floor in old Taylor School in Houston, Texas, that before Second Baptist ever got its first building. My earliest memories are of godly teachers telling me about Jesus. But there came that time when I was ten years old that one spoke to my heart and said, Ralph, you've heard about Jesus. You've grown up knowing about Jesus. Isn't it time you trusted him yourself? And because a friend helped me at the door, I stepped by faith in Jesus into his kingdom because where and what and how was your because? What attracted you to Jesus? Pat, Patty, thank you, Paula, for the beauty of the solos that we've heard tonight, how music has been used by the Holy Spirit to present a door that would reveal Jesus. And many have come to the kingdom because of the glories of music. You just have no way of knowing the joy that's in my heart tonight as I look out over this congregation in Holcomb Auditorium. I suppose that only Harry Pilon and Bill Banks would really know the depth of the prayers that all of us have prayed that an hour and a time like this would come when black and white and Hispanic and Chinese and Korean and Vietnamese and Cambodian and Filipino would come together and that the work would grow, and it is growing. And every one of you, every one of us, has come into the presence of Jesus because we have seen something in him that has drawn us to him. I pity, I pity those who claim the name of Jesus, but for them he is only a second-hand Christ. I pity those who, being members of a church, yet do not have that personal experience with him because they have individually and personally fallen in love with him. A second-hand Christ is no good. A Christ painted upon an icon board is no good. A Christ carved as a statue is no good for it will fall off the pedestal. But the reality of the Christian experience 
is that when we have come by simple, earnest, childlike faith to the very presence of Jesus, brought there by the love of someone for Jesus and for us, and has taken the hand of Jesus and our hand and brought us together, and there in that love kindred we have accepted him, then because of that the change takes place. Every person must lay hold of Christ for a very personal reason. You cannot persuade someone away from a personal experience. Why, the simplest illustration of that. The child begins to grow. You admire his height. But also, the child in his growing is now tall enough and old enough to reach up and to touch the stove, the top of the stove. And you say to your child, don't touch the stove. Your hand will burn. Don't touch the stove. Hot, hot. Don't touch the stove. And you can say that over and over and over again, but the child has no concept. One day when nobody is looking, the stove is hot and the child reaches up and touches that hot burner and pulls the little fingers away. Hot, hot! And you say to the little child, Oh, the stove really wasn't hot. And that child may not have the vocabulary to argue with you, but he'll look at you and say, You're crazy. That stove's hot. <laughs> Why? Because of the experience. And so it is then falling in love with Jesus is the greatest experience of all the world. We have that word of Scripture, they went out from us because they were not of us. We say, how can somebody claim to be a Christian for a while, even for a long time, and then suddenly they go living like the devil and for the devil? They went out from us because they were not of us. Their Christ was a second-hand Christ. Their Christ was the Christ of art or the Christ of music only but not the living Christ that comes to live and to dwell in the very inner being of the soul. Because. Some come to Christ because they saw the miracle. Some came because of the loaves and the fishes. Nothing else would have convinced them. I'm coming now to the conclusion of one aspect of my ministry of 41 years. And over the 41 years of pastoring and of preaching, I have indeed seen many people come to Jesus for many different reasons. There was a time when I used to say there are better reasons than others, but I've come to the place anything that draws anybody to Jesus can be used of him to be a blessing. We must use every method. We must use every technique. 
we must reach out in every way. Not everybody would be attracted by the loaves and the fishes multiplied in feeding a multitude, but there were many that would come and take notice of Jesus only because of that. And so Jesus took the loaves and he took the fish and praying and breaking them he distributed and thousands were fed. And many believed on him because of the miracles that he did. You see, Jesus was touching lives. Jesus was changing people. That's the reason he came from heaven. His birth was not accidental. It was no accident that he came when he came. It was in the foreordained plan of God that he should come when he would come and come how he would come, born of the virgin womb of the little Jewish girl in order to live a sinless life so that he could be the perfect, blameless Lamb of God crucified on Calvary's cross, shedding his blood so that every one of us Shameful sinners could be washed clean. He came and he touched lives and he changed them. And he's still in that business. Nicodemus came to him and said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no mere man can do the miracles that thou doest. Now, Jesus was not guilty of being a magician. He was not practicing juggling art. He was not practicing sleight of hand. Not that kind of thing. Whatever he did was real. There was nothing false. There was nothing false face. There was nothing hypocritical about Jesus. Everything he did was real. But what he said and what he did, he did for a purpose. And that was so he could reach out in the love of the Father and touch lives all around him. And now down for 2,000 years, his hand still reaches, touching, changing. Others follow Jesus because of testimony. Do you remember what the Samaritan woman said to the folks as she hurried back into the village after her confrontation with Jesus? She said, I met a man who told me all that I ever did. And there was something about him that I could not help but love. And as she shared that word, there were those then who said we would also hear him. Out of the word of testimony, yes, there are many who come by the door of argument, those convinced of Christ because of what Christianity has done. How different this world would be tonight 
if Christians had not lived and worked and ministered over a course of 2,000 years. Think of what missions has accomplished. Think of the cities that have been blessed. Think of the lives of people. Think of the benevolent institutions that have come about in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Hands reaching out to bless so that lives might be changed. As I go over all the parts of this country and have been in all the different continents of this earth, save one, I rejoice to see those Christian institutions, hospitals and clinics, seminaries and schools, agricultural stations, water places, a thousand different places where Christians minister in the name of Jesus Christ. And because of that ministry, there are people who say, why do you do this? And the Christian says, because of Jesus. It was a Roman law. The law said that a Roman soldier could stop anyone, anywhere, as he was carrying his burden and say to that individual, the law, the Roman law says, carry this load a mile. And that person would have to carry the load a mile. Jesus said, you know that's the law. But here's what I want you to do. You who love me, you who are my disciples, this this is the trick we're going to play on those Roman soldiers. And his followers must have opened their eyes and turned up their hearing aids because they'd love to play tricks on those Roman soldiers. He said, this is the trick we're going to play. When you are required to carry a load one mile, when you get to the end of the mile, Keep going. And they must have said, well now, what kind of trick is that to play on the Romans? We're carrying the load. He said, oh. He said, don't you know that every Roman soldier, when he commands and demands that someone carry that load for the mile, that that Roman soldier is used to being cussed out. That I've carried it, I've done what the law allows, here's it, I've carried it a mile, now you take it. And hatred would well in the face of that person who had been commandeered. Jesus said, you keep on carrying it, and you carry it a second mile. And watch the face of that soldier. He's going to look. He's going to look at you. He's going to study you up and down. First, he's going to think you're nuts. Second, he's going to wonder. And when you get to the place at the end of that second mile and you put the load down, he's going to say, why did you do that? And you smile. Say, it's because I'm a Christian.
I wonder how many Roman soldiers wanted to know more about Jesus because somebody carried a load a second mile. How many people in your lifetime have wanted to know more about Jesus because you have gone some kind of a second mile? You've stayed with them in a hospital room around the clock. You've gone beyond the call of duty in helping them, in serving them, in meeting human need. And because of that, someone has said, Why? Why have you done this? Because my Savior, Jesus, Ask me to do this for you. There were many who believed because of the testimony. You see, when we give a testimony, we reach out and touch lives, and people are changed. It is so important that we be faithful and seize every moment of the opportunities that we have. There is not a one of us but that somehow believes we have a long, long, long time to get everything right, to serve, to get things organized, to witness to somebody else. Since arriving on this campus, this afternoon, Bill Banks shared a story with me that saddens me and yet makes me sing doxologies of praise to God. Two weeks ago, on this campus, a young teenage girl came with her group to centrifuge. She was not a Christian. Two weeks ago, because of the faithfulness of witness, she accepted Jesus as her Savior. She went on a vacation and went to Detroit. And she got on an airplane in Detroit to fly to Phoenix a few days ago. And she was on that plane where 156 people died. And she was one of them. We do not know of tomorrow. The people we pass on this campus, we tend to believe everybody. This is the end of side one. Please turn the tape over now. Thank you. We think that in our own lives, I still have months and years to witness for the Lord.
but we may not have. That girl is in heaven tonight because of the faithfulness of someone's Christian testimony. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. To believe in Jesus is the greatest thing in all the world. In all the world. There comes the time when we must look in his eyes and see him as we have never seen him before. There must come that time when we must hear him afresh as though we had never heard him before. And in the freshness of the seeing and the freshness of the hearing, to reaffirm our love and to recommit our lives and to determine that whatever time God gives us, we will become the because for others coming to Jesus. Unhappy with your life? Take a fresh look at Jesus. Miserable in your work? Take a fresh look. Take a fresh hearing. You see, here, this week, on the beauty of this campus, we can have a fresh experience with Jesus and we will never ever be the same again and our churches will be blessed and our families will be blessed and our Sunday schools will be blessed and God will be honored in the freshness of our faith. Dear God, Dear God, 
every one of us needs to hear a fresh word from you. A word of direction, a word of encouragement. Father, I pray, I ask this night that in your wonderful, wonderful way that you will select someone on this campus to say to each of us in our very special places just what we need to hear. Dear God, make this to be a week, a week that will be holy, a week of strength. Give new strength to those who are our conference leaders a new strength and a new enthusiasm for the task of this one week. And, O oh God, accept our thanks even now for the miracles you will perform in our lives. And we thank you because we love you.